Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Can you guys open up your Bibles with me? And can we go to Psalms 78? Psalms 78, 13 through 16. Psalms 78, 13 through 16. I think we might have it on the screens. If not, no worries. I will read it out to you. Excuse me. When you got it, say amen. It's on the screens. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And it says, he divided the sea and led them through. He made the water stand up like a wall. He guided them with the cloud by day and with the light from the fire all night. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them water as abundant as the seas. He brought streams out of a rocky crag. Does that say that too, Rocky? What does that say? Rocky crag? I don't even know what a rocky crag means, but I don't know. I read the scripture, but I didn't read that part. Rocky crag. Oh, yes, Lord. And made water flow down like rivers. Made water flow down like rivers. Let's go to Psalms 78. I believe it's 23 through 29. If you can read that with me as well. Psalms 28 through 29. Is that on the screens? Oh, it's on the screens. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let me find my Bible. Okay. All right. And it reads, Yet he gave a command to the skies above and opened the doors of the heaven. He rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them grain, the grain of heaven. Human beings ate the bread of angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. He let loose the east wind from the heavens and by his power made the south wind blow. And he rained down meat. He rained meat down on them like dust, birds like sand of the seashore. He made them come down inside their camp and all around their tents. They ate till they were gorged. He had given them what they craved. The last scripture I want to read. We're going to read your Bible today. If you haven't read it all week, I got you covered. Yes, Lord. They read in their word, Lord. Count this in the book. Then Deuteronomy. Sorry, I didn't even give you the scripture. I'm messing around. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 19. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 19. When you get it, shout amen. Oh, Bible readers in here. Yes. Then, as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went toward the hill country of the Amorites and through all the vast and dreadful wilderness that you have seen. And so we reach Kadesh Barnea. So as we read that scripture today, if you're taking notes today, if I can give you a title for this sermon, it's called The Power of the Desert. The Power of the Desert. All across this room, why don't you bow your head and close your eyes with me as we go to God in prayer today. Father God, Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Thank you because you're good. Thank you because you're faithful. Thank you because you're merciful. And Lord, today, Father God, I pray that you would lead me, you would guide me, that this word that you've put on my heart 
that I would communicate it the way you have ministered it to me. That it would be clear, that it would be effective, and that it would cause change today. Not by my might, not by my power, but by your spirit, Father God. Lord, we ask that you would move in this place. And we would not leave here the same way we came in. And in Jesus' mighty name, we desperately need you. Have your way. Amen and amen. Whoop. Ah, yeah. So the power of the desert, power of the desert. Um, there's a friend of ours here at this church. Some of you may know her, but her name is Jessica. Jessica Novas, Master Chief Novas. Not sure if I'm saying that. I'll probably get in trouble for saying it that way. But either or, she's, she comes to this church, and she recently had surgery, arm surgery. And uh, we were having a conversation with her husband, and they were talking about how she had to wait some 24 hours for the nerve ending, uh, like, what do you call it? Like, they block off the nerve endings. So she had to wait 24 hours for that to, like, settle and her arm, feeling in her arm to come back. And so... It got me thinking about a story or a time when I had surgery. I had, uh, some of you have heard this story before, but I tore my Achilles playing basketball with my little boys, right? And so because of that, I had to get surgery, right? Um, they're going to say they scored on that play, but I don't know. It wasn't recorded, so I don't think it ever happened. They swear they, bought, they, they beat me that time. But either or, I, I told my Achilles playing basketball, and what happened was, as a result of that, I had to get surgery. And so because I had to get surgery, I had to be bedridden for a little bit, right? And what I wasn't expecting was how dependent I would have to be on my wife and my kids to help me out, right? So there was limitations because of my surgery. So I got the surgery done, and I got home, and like, I remember the first moment after that surgery, I'm sitting in bed and my leg is propped up. It's like elevated and I can't feel a thing in my leg. And I'm like, stare. it's like the strangest feeling ever. And I'm like, I'm staring at my leg and I'm using all my mind power to like move my big toe. I'm like, this big toe is going to move right now in Jesus' mighty name. Because I'm kind of freaking out. I'm like, Lord, I can't feel a thing right now. And I'm staring and I'm staring and I'm concentrating. And I'm like about to bust, burst a blood vessel and nothing is moving. I'm like, oh, okay, this is scary. But because of that, because of my limitations, because of the surgery, because of the recovery that needed to happen, I had to depend on my wife and my kids. And I wasn't expecting for that. I wasn't ready for that. And so one of, one of the worst parts about this is that my kids, they're, they think they're funny, right? They think they're funny kids. And so what would happen more often than not is, you know, they would help me get up the stairs. They would help me move things and carry things. But I had a scooter to get around. I had a little knee scooter. And that was my source of transportation. That's how I got from point A to point B. That's how I got from the living room to the bedroom. That's how I was able to take care of myself. But what would happen sometimes is when I would fall asleep on the couch, the boys would take my scooter and they would ride it throughout the house. And so I'd wake up. And everybody would be gone and my scooter's missing. I'm like, I can't, oh, what happened? I'm like shouting out, like, bring my scooter back right now. Bring it back. But as funny as that was, as funny as it was that I'm like waking up, I can't go anywhere. I need my scooter. I can't do anything. It got me thinking about how life can be that way sometimes, right? How life can be sometimes so debilitating, right? That we get into these moments where 
We can't move forward. Sometimes they're emotional, where I've, I've been wounded by somebody, and, and I, as much as I want to go forward, as much as I want to get up and move on, as much as I want to be mobile, I'm stuck in my position. If you live life long enough, you will have moments where financially I'm like, excuse me, I know I'm supposed to be here, but I want to get there, but I'm stuck and I can't get out of where I want to be as much as I want to go there. I can't get there. And so as we read these scriptures, it got me thinking about the seasons of life. One of the most famous stories in all the Bible is this journey that the Israelites are on. They have been delivered by God from the situation that they were in. They were slaves and they've been delivered. God has provided a way for them to escape. God has set them free. Yet here they are and they find themselves in the wilderness. That's a lot like life. Life is comprised of seasons. If you live life long enough, no season will last forever. There are going to be seasons. The beautiful thing about seasons is that they aren't meant to destroy you, but they're they're meant to add value to your life that each season serves a purpose. Some of you can look on your life and you know there's a season. In fact, seasons are, seasons are dictated by the climate that they have. So all of you in this room, there's a climate to your life right now. There's a, there's a weather condition to your life. You know exactly where you're at. If you take some time and you think about it, you know exactly what you're facing. Some of you are in the spring of life and you're harvesting and God is good and he's faithful and you're seeing the promises and that's amazing. And some of you are trapped in winter and it feels like all hell is breaking loose and you don't know where to go. But here the Israelites, long, you live life long enough, you will find yourself in the wilderness, a season of a wilderness. And the Bible says, you know, that there, there's, as long as you live your life, there are going to be cycles. There's going to be births and deaths. There's going to be joy and sorrow, pleasure and pain. And some of us can look in our life and we can pinpoint the area that we're at right now. Some of us are in pain. Some of us are in sorrow. Some of us are in joy and some of us are in peace. But as I began to read this story of the Israelites and What's odd about this story is that the Israelites, it was, if you read Deuteronomy, where the story takes place about their journey, it says in the, in the opening chapter, a couple of verses down, it says that, in parentheses, it says that it was an 11-day journey, an 11-day journey that took them 40 years. I don't know about you, but there have been some times that I have thought this was going to be an easy trip, a quick road that I was going to arrive to my desired destination, and it took a lot longer than I had expected. If you're on social media long enough, you're going to feel that way. I told my wife the other day, I was like, I think it's impossible to be, impossible to be on social media and not compare. I think it is. And I think that's a trouble that we face. It's a, it's a struggle that we face, that we are so consumed about how people have arrived to their point or what's going on in their lives and how awesome it looks and how great it is that this comparison comes in and it steals our joy. And it makes us think that we haven't arrived quick enough to the destination that we want to be. But if I can tell you right now, church, I don't know where you're at, but I want to talk to you about the wilderness. And I want to tell you that there is power in 
the wilderness. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. There's a struggle. There's this financial situation that's pressing on your shoulders. There's an emotional burden that you can't seem to escape. But can I tell you, church, that there is power in the desert. The story of the Israelites, it starts off with them being delivered across the Red Sea. And if you're taking notes today, my first point for you is mark the ending. If you're taking notes today, mark the ending. Scripture says in Psalm 78, verse 13, he divided the sea and led them through. He made the water stand up like a wall. Here's what I'm going to tell you. It's going to be plain and simple. He is a deliverer. I don't know what you came in with today. I don't know what you're facing. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a battle of your mind. Maybe it's a battle in your heart. But can I tell you that he is faithful to deliver? Maybe there's a relationship you're trying to get out of. But can I tell you that he delivered them across the Red Sea? He can deliver you through whatever you're going through. Can you shout and say amen? Not because I said it, but because he has promised to do it. That if you came in here today looking for God to deliver you, he will deliver. If he can part the Red Sea, he can separate your situation and he can carry you across. If you leave with anything, leave that God is on your side and that he will fight the battle for you and that he will deliver you. But it got me remembering that if you're going to be delivered, if you're going to leave something, that it's a boundary moment in your life. Some of you in this room, all of you in this room, you, there's a moment that you can look back on your life where God delivered you and you never went back. Where God set you free and you never went back. Where God brought you through and you never went back. Those boundary moments, those moments where God carries you from point A to point B and you know it was only God because it was so bad that not no man, not no relationship, not money on earth could have fixed that problem for you. God took you across. It's a boundary moment. And what I love about these moments is that these moments are meant to be remembered because they are a proof of God's track record. The Bible says that they walked across the Jordan River. He had part of the Jordan River and he told them, build an altar so generations can come see what God had done. I think we undermine how important the story that God has given us. Can I tell you that every single miracle that God has done in your life isn't just for you, but it's for the generations that come. The kids that will follow and see what God had done in mom and dad's life and know that God is faithful and that God is good. Some of you in this room, you need to go and write down all the little things that God had done. All the things that he was faithful in, all the ways that he delivered. Write it down so for generations to come, they could look back and see how God was faithful to grandma and grandpa, how God was faithful to mom and dad. Write it down. Here's what I love. I was talking with my mom one day, and I love my mom. She's a praying mom. How many of you got a praying mom in this place or a praying, praying grandma? Amen. If you are in this place today and you are a mom, let me tell you something. God has placed you specifically to pray over those kids' lives. I remember it was, I'd be clubbing. And God will be tapping me on my shoulder in the club. I said, oh, my mama must be praying right now. Just give me a second, God. I just, I just, paid, the, I just paid the entry fee. I, you're tapping me on my shoulder. I come home, my mom said, you enjoy yourself? 
a praying mama. That'll do it. It'll mess everything up. But I have, I have a praying mom, and, and one day I called my mom, and I said, hey, mom, I'm like, uh, we're just talking. And I'm talking to her about what I'm going through at the moment. I'm like, and there was a, there was a season, there was a moment that we're going through, and it was tough. I said, mom, I, I just don't even know what we're going to do or how we're going, like, what this looks like on the other side. And she told me, she said, Jason, it's like, we have seen God do it before for you. He will do it again. And what it got me, what it reminded me was that, church, can I tell you, that it's important to do life with other people. Because it's other people that will see what God will do in your life, and they'll remind you in the moment of your pain, in the moment of your weakness. Hey, remember God did that before? Can I tell you, I think he'll do it again. He's faithful to deliver. And so here we are. Sometimes it's easy to get isolated and it's easy to be by ourselves. But church cannot tell you get in community because they will see what God will do. They will see how God will deliver you. And even if it's not just for you, it's for them because they see that God is faithful. You can't keep all that God is doing, all the miracles and blessings that he's doing to yourself. You got to let other people in. You got to let other people see what God is doing because it was in that moment when she said that that I remembered oh my gosh, I have forgotten how good he's been. I have forgotten how he did deliver when I thought that situation was impossible. Let people into your life so they can see what God is doing. Don't let the miracle of yesterday get the loss and the troubles of today. It's easy to get clouded. It's easy to lose sight of all that God has done. But man, church, let's hold on to his faithfulness. Let's hold on to his deliverance. Let's hold on to his goodness. Can I tell you that when God delivers you, that when God does something, that it's time to leave the old behind because he's about to do something new. God had delivered the people of the Israelites. He had delivered the Israelites from the Egyptians because where he was taking them, they could no longer be in that place anymore. The old system, the old way of doing things, the things that they were bound to had to be separated from them in order for what God was going to take them. You can't start the next chapter of your life if you keep rereading the last one. Let me say that again. You can't start the next chapter of your life if you keep rereading the last one. So often we're consumed by the beginning that we've messed up on. So often we're consumed by the start and how we started. But can I tell you, it's hard to change your beginning, but can I tell you that you can have a new ending? Yeah, I can end that. I can end that relationship that I'm in that I know that's holding me back. That addiction, that can end today because I started, I have a new ending. That ending is not, that addiction is not my ending. That relationship is not my ending. This mental battle in my mind is not my ending. I have a new ending today, and God is delivering me across the waters. God is delivering me from the bondage. God is delivering me from the addiction. Today, I can have a new ending. But if we're talking about this journey through the desert, if we're talking about how faithful God is, the desert is often attached to a test. There's a test. And that's, that's my second point for you today. If you're taking notes is pass the test. Pass the test. 
let's, let's dive into some scripture here. Um, let's go open up to Psalms 81, verse 11 through 12. I believe that's on the screen. Psalms 81, verse 11 through 12. When you got it, say amen. But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. Now let's read Psalms 13 through 16. If my people would only listen to me, if Israel would only follow my ways, how quickly I would subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before me and their punishment would last forever. But you would be fed within the finest of wheat. What honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. What honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. And what it got me thinking was that there's these moments where we are, we are hard-pressed, that we are facing a test, that we're facing this wilderness. And for some of us, that's a time of intense temptation and spiritual attack. It can be spiritual, financial, or an emotional drought. But here's what ministered to me this morning. That the same God who created the wilderness is the same God who created the garden. And so even though we feel like this is our current circumstance, can I tell you that he has a garden prepared for you? That he is faithful to deliver. But this test, this test that comes with the wilderness, we've all faced it. It could be murmuring, it could be complaining, it could be bitterness, it can be resentment. And we've all felt those emotions before. In fact, we've all met people like that before. That they wear resentment on, as a shirt. They wear resentment and bitterness as their identity. That they wear murmuring as who they are. But can I tell you, those are only symptoms of what they might be facing. And it's hard. It's hard when you are in a situation and you feel like you don't have the ability to escape or the ability to get out. And it feels like you're hard pressed on every side. But can I tell you that God is faithful and his word is true. And in 2 Corinthians, this won't pop up on the screen, but I'm going to read it for you because it'll preach by itself. 2 Corinthians 4 through 8 says, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. That's for somebody in the room. I don't know what you're going through and I'm, I don't know what you're facing, but I'm going to speak God's word over your life right now. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted and not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. My goodness, can I tell you that the only way to pass this test is not because you're so great at what you do and you're so talented and you got it all together, but can I tell you how you pass the test? It's because of his faithfulness. It's because of his word. It's because of his promise that he would keep you in spite of, that he would deliver you when it looks like all hell is breaking loose. That's how you survive. The desert, that's how you refuse bitterness. You stand on his word and say, I could be bitter, but my God is good. I could be upset, but my God is faithful. I could be down, but he is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. 
I've been angry. I've been bitter. You can ask my wife. Sometimes I wake up and I'm just moody. I don't know why. It happens. Life happens. But what's not okay is for you to live there. And how do you stop from living there? It's by standing on his word. The next test or struggle that's part of the desert is to resist the urge to rush ahead. We've all been in a place where we are desperate to get out. And we've, I don't know about you, but I like to figure things out. I like to have everything lined up, A and B, and connects to C, and then adds to D. I like it, I like it all lined up and figured out. I like to have a plan before I do anything. And what happens with the desert is that plans don't go as you thought they would go. Things that you have planned out don't line up how you thought they would line up. And it's hard to resist the urge. And I don't know about you, but I know there are moments in my life where God is telling me to be calm and be patient. And I'm like, ah, I get that, but you don't know this light bill I got do. I get that, but you don't know how crazy my kids are. I get that, but you don't understand the weight that's on my shoulders and I need to make something happen. But there's, there's a purpose in all of it. There's a purpose in allowing God to let it stew. I don't know about you, but for some of you who are cooks or like to cook, I like to cook. I I like to enjoy a good meal. And the other day, uh, some good friends of ours had did a crab boil. Where's Joe? Joe Smith. Joe Smith's in here somewhere. But they did a crab boil. I've never been a part of a crab boil. I've never been a part of a situation like that. I've always been a recipient of it. You know, I go to, oh, yeah, that's good. But I've never seen a process to it. And so here our friends are. They're doing this crab boil. And what I didn't realize was the amount of work that it takes before the, actual, the crawfish get in there. Crab, I said crab boil, crawf, crawfish boil. My bad. I apologize for those of you who that's offensive. <laughs> crawfish boil. But I, I didn't realize the amount of prep work that it took. And it took so much time to make that water just right before he added the crawfish. He's putting seasoning in there. And he's putting ingredients in there. And he's putting spices in there. And he's putting all kind of stuff in this water. And it's just boiling and boiling. And I'm looking at these crawfish. I'm like, I'm hungry, Joe. When is we going to eat? I need to eat right now. I'm impatient. I was like, I want to eat right. Just throw them things in while you're seasoning and doing all that stuff. He's like, no, there's a process. There's a process. He got this ingredients and all this stuff lined up. It's like it takes time for that water to get the seasoning that it needs. It takes time for all those things to get in there and add together and create something beautiful. And what I was shocked by is that, All this time to prep the water, and it took five minutes for the crawfish. I said, what? How is There's no way that crawfish is going to have flavor in it. That's impossible. Five minutes? That thing got to stew for like three hours. What are you talking about? He dips them in there five minutes. They dead. Lord have mercy. God forgive us. He killed them crawfish. And then we, we get it, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Every fiber of that creature I was eating was flavored and was delicious, all because it took time to develop this flavor. Doesn't that look like our lives a lot? That man, the circumstance that I think, you know, have you ever just tasted an ingredient by itself? Salt by itself? No one eats salt by itself. It's horrible. It's too hard to ingest. But if you take time and you add it to water and you add it with other ingredients, that 
thing by itself that's horrible becomes amazing when it's all together. So your situation that you're going through, I know it looks devastating and it's horrible and you're bitter and resentful, but can I tell you that it's all adding to the ingredients that God is doing together because he got something amazing working up in that pot. Can I tell you that? I know you want to rush ahead and I know you want to get out of it and I know it looks disturbing and I know it's frustrating, but can I tell you that frustration is adding all together in the ingredients that God is working all things together for the good of those who love the Lord, that he's suing that pot right now. I know it's frustrating, but he's suing it right now. I know you're angry, but he's suing it right now. And what you don't realize is that God is lining it all up together for something amazing. What I found interesting is that we all have been in school and we all have been taught that tests are, tests are the, they are the result of of us performing well. And so if you take a test and you perform well and you pass, that is, ex- that is the result of you doing amazing. And so in life, it can be very frustrating because we go through these tests and tests, we don't always pass the test like we think we would. We don't always have the results that we think that we would have. And I was, I was, I actually, I, I proposed to you today for a new way to looking at tests. I was watching the SpaceX launch their, the most powerful rocket ever built. The most powerful rocket ever built. And I'm watching this launch, and this, this beautiful rocket takes off. It launches into the air. And, man, that thing is just traveling. And it's going, and it's going, and it's going. And midway through the flight, it fails to separate from the main engine, you know, something like that, something scientific like that. And it starts, like, spinning, and then it explodes. Midway through the flight, this millions and millions of dollars that have been pumped into this rocket, it explodes. It doesn't finish what it was supposed to do. And all you hear from the ground crews, yeah, oh my gosh, whoa. And I'm like, what am I missing right now? It, it failed. It failed. But here's what they said. With a test like this, success comes from what we learn. That's because the whole point of a test is to figure out what does and doesn't work. Church, can I tell you today, I don't know what you're facing, and I don't know what you might end up facing in the future. But can I tell you that the test of life don't determine who you are, but they're to help you find out what doesn't work. Okay, God, I get it. I tried it this way. Yeah, I get it doesn't work. But that doesn't mean I'm a failure. That doesn't mean that I'm not built for success. That doesn't mean that I'm defined by how this test turned out. Oh, no, God is just showing me what I need to let go of. God is just showing me where I need to tighten up. God is showing me what I do good at. There are some things that I do good at. Yeah, I took off off the launching pad. That's all that matters. All they cared about for that test, will it take off the launching pad? My goodness, can I tell you that whatever it is that you feel feel like you failed at, oh no, that's just showing what you need to shift up. That doesn't mean you're a failure. That doesn't mean you'll never amount to nothing. Can I tell you that God is still on your side and tests don't define who you are. They just point you in the direction that you need to go to. But in order for us, in order for us to get to this place, we need to embrace the new. That's my third point. My last point for you, embrace the new. Why don't you open up your Bibles to Mark 22, chapter 2, verse 22. When you got it, say amen. Amen, amen. 
Mark, I'm sorry, did I say 22? Lord have mercy. Mark chapter 2, verse 22. My bad. Mark chapter 2, verse 22. And it says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins. Both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. If we can go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 to 24, and it says, You were taught with regard to the former way of life, to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in attitude of your minds, and to put on new self, created, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so as we look over this story of the Israelites what we would often see as a story that wasn't successful or a story full of failures. But I believe that they point us in the direction that when you are facing a difficult moment, when you are facing the seasons of life, when you're facing the moments that feel like they are beyond your capability, that that doesn't mean that God is distant and that God isn't there, but in fact that God is a deliverer. That in the moment of the wilderness, I could look back on God's faithfulness and know that he is always with me. And then in the test of the wilderness, I know that my failure doesn't define me, but God's goodness does. And so that even if it doesn't turn out the way I thought it should have turned out, even if I don't pass the way I thought I should pass, know that God is still working it all out. And that he's pointing me in the direction of the things that I need to let go in order for me to go on to what he has for me. And that if we are going to live this life the way that we need to live it, we got to embrace what God has for us. A lot of us are stuck in our ways. I'm, I like patterns. I like tradition. I like things to go X, Y, and Z all the time. That's, I need it to work that way, right? But sometimes God has to do something new in order for you to get to the promised land that he's trying to take you. It is in the desert that innovation happens. It is in the wilderness that innovation happens. And so many of us are, are rushing to get out of what God is trying to develop in us. Can I tell you that it is in the wilderness that God is going to give you the idea for your business? You're trying to rush out of it, but you don't know what God is trying to line you up with. In fact, the Israelites, it was in the wilderness that they were given the Ten Commandments. These Ten Commandments were a new way to live. The, the, the idea of an offering that they would present before God, he gave them all the criteria for how to approach God. And that information would better their lives. That new way of living, these new rules would better their lives. These Ten Commandments, I know we talk about the law, but that was important for them to live a good life. God doesn't just give rules to give rules, but he gives these rules because they would help lead you to holiness and wholeness. And these laws were meant to do just that, and this idea of offering was meant to do just that. And they didn't receive these things at the promised land. They received it in the wilderness. They received a new way to live life in the wilderness. They received a new way to approach God in the wilderness. Church, I propose to you today that whatever you might be facing, believe that God's going to do something new in your life. He's going to give you an idea, that business plan. He's going to change it all around and give you a new approach. The way you talk to your kids, he's going to change how you talk to them. 
so you don't snap on them anymore. God's going to do something new. But in order for him to do something new, the old has to pass away. See, it was the old generation and the leadership that had to change before he took them to the promised land. The bitter, the murmuring, the betraying God, that had to get set aside in order for the new things to happen. And church, I want to tell you that God wants to do something new in your life. But in order for him to do it, what needs to let go? What traditions do you need to let go of? What are the things that you hold on to that you can't have no more in order to go where God has taken you? I was, uh, I was reading a story about this epic rainfall that happened in California. And because of this epic rainfall, it caused what they say is a super bloom. And this super bloom was so pronounced that they could see it from space. And it got me thinking that, oh my gosh, there is no harvest without rain. And so the moment that you think that the pressures of life are raining down on you and the worries of life are raining down on you and it seems like you can't catch a break, can I tell you that it's all adding to your harvest? It's all raining on the soil of what God's about to do. The seed and the purpose of who God's called you to be, oh, it's going to take some rain for that seed to grow. So when the enemy tries to lie to you and tell you that there is no hope, that there is no future, that there is no tomorrow, can you remind them all oh, the rains of life will only turn in and grow the, grow the seed that God has put inside of me. That all this pressure, all this pain, oh no, it's just raining down on the seed of who God's called me to be. All this worry and all this doubt, oh no, it's just raining on the seed of where God is going to take me. Can I tell you that God has something amazing for you? But it's in the rain of life that we find growth. It's in the rain of life that we find growth. And church, as I close today, as I close with you for today, it got me thinking about the season. We all face these seasons, but the season about the wilderness, it, it got me. Because I began to think about this moment of where I had the surgery and I was dependent on everybody for something to happen. And can I tell you, there were moments where I tried to rush ahead. There's moments where I tried to be stubborn and I tried to do things on my own. And my wife, she told me, she warned me. She said, don't do that because you're going to bust your butt and you're going to hurt yourself. And I did it anyway. And I bust my butt and I hurt myself. Because I tried to do it in my own strength, in my own might, in my own power. And what I didn't realize was that it was my dependency that allowed me to rely on somebody who was stronger than me, who was more capable than me, than my current situation, because it was in that relying that I would be made whole. It was in that dependency that I would recover. It was in that I can't do this on my own that I would get back to health. It was in my effort to do it on my own almost caused me to re-injure myself. My effort to try and figure it out almost caused me to go back and have another surgery. She could tell you it happened. <laughs> Lord have mercy. But what I didn't, what I failed to realize was that dependency didn't mean I was weak. 
dependency mess that there was somebody greater than me. And I'm not calling you God, babe, because that would be unacceptable. Don't get cocky. Joking. But church, I don't know where you're at right now, and I don't know what you're going through, and I don't know what you're facing. And maybe it's amazing, and life is great, and that's awesome. And maybe it's down in the pits, or maybe you're somewhere in between, but can I tell you that it is dependency on Jesus that will carry you through. I don't know the wilderness that you're facing, but can I tell you, it's the wilderness is hard, but it's also fruitful. It's tough, but it's also producing something. And if you get anything from today, is that you would understand that whatever season you might be facing, whatever season you might be going through, that you would be dependent on him. Because it's in that dependency that he'll heal your mind. It's in that dependency that he'll heal your heart. It's in that dependency that he'll heal the marriage. It's in that dependency that he'll heal your family. Because you can't do it on your own. You've tried it before and look where you ended up. You've tried it before. You try to figure it out and you try to line up all the pieces and they just all fell apart. But if you trust on him, you'll heal. If you trust in him, you'll be made whole. If you trust in him, you will recover. If you trust in him, he is faithful to deliver. And I know this, maybe this message is for somebody in here, maybe it isn't for you, or maybe you got blessed by it. I don't, I don't know what your situation is, but what I would hate for you to do is to come in here and to think that this will satisfy the quota for your life, or this will be, this will be the extent of your relationship with God. I would be doing a disservice if I didn't tell you. Church, do not leave here today and go about your life without talking to Jesus. Do not leave here today, and this is the only time you talk with God. Can I tell you, you will never survive the storms of life if you don't get his word. Jesus, when he was led to the wilderness, how he defeated the enemy, he quoted the word. If though hide his word in your heart, that you would not sin against him. Can I tell you that the winds will come, the waves will crash, the rain will pour down. But if you stand in his word, if you stand in relationship with him, I don't care how stressful your job is. I get it. We've been in that place before. Maybe you work overnight and you work a second job and you don't even have time anymore. That's why you're snapping on your kids and you're snapping on everybody that you're with. You got to get in his word. You got to fight for time to seek him. You got to get with Jesus. If you don't take anything from this message, if you don't take anything that we talked about today, church, do not leave here today without reading his word every single day. Do not leave here today without praying and seeking him and fighting for minutes of the day to spend time with him. I don't care if you put on the audio Bible. I don't care what you do, but find a way to be with Jesus. You could come every Sunday and hear a good word. That don't mean nothing. All the comments and all the cool ideas and nice quotes, that don't mean nothing if you ain't spending time with Jesus. You will always end up in the same rut if you don't get in relationship with him. You have to read his word. How else are you going to fight the enemy? All those recipes on TikTok, you can't battle the devil with that. The light, you can't battle the devil with no life hacks. 
Oh, but when he comes in and says, I can say, he is, God is my refuge. And when the enemy comes in like a wrong flood, my God will lift up a standard against him. can stand with that. Church, my hope for you is that you would depend on him today to make you whole. That you would depend on him today to heal you. That you would depend on him to restore you. Amen. Across this room, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast 